Power plays like an MVP, championship pedigree, Hall of Fame skills, business deals, lead the league, on court, all pro, off court, entrepreneur, any court, play ball, I'm ready to score, investments, connections, franchise player, levels to this man, I just add more layers, we changing the game, athletes bigger than balling, power plays, power moves, yeah, we going all in, my whole life a highlight reel, not just on the field, not just bodybuilding, I might buy a building, start a company, CEO, mind frame, this is way beyond game, these is power plays. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Power Play Podcast. This week, I say this every week, I'm excited because I'm getting to interview people that I know and love. And today is no different. Sitting right next to me, we're actually in his store, Dope Era. So we'll get into it. And you probably already know just by hearing Dope Era who it is. But I am here with my friend. He's a hip hop artist. He is a singer songwriter. I actually never heard you sing. So I need to hear that. Oh, a record producer. Like Oh, no, we, we might have to do that. Oh, no, I can't sing. You can't? Mm, I could just write some. Okay, well, <laughs> you need to check the notes on the web. It said you could sing. I feel like you can, but anyways, we'll talk about that later. Entrepreneur, community organizer, activist. I mean, the list goes on and on. I'm talking about Mr. Fab. Hey, Right what's here up, in the building. Hey, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm chilling, man. I'm always... uh in pleasant company around you so it's always just cheerful and i'm lounging good morning so far and he really is lounging like we don't have video but we are in the back of his store he has couches chairs and stuff back here i got a part in the mess too i'm clean i'm I'm redecorating some stuff for 2020 i'm making some changes in my life you got to right so it just looks a mess right now but the the glow up is going to be right you know you know what actually since we're talking about 2020 uh tanika my producer and i were talking about this earlier do you think that you need to wait to make a change until the new year? No, changes every day. You could create changes and implement and inoculate new changes in your life every day, everything that you do. Um, I feel like why wait till tomorrow to do something that you could have did today? You know, um, none of us are promised tomorrow. Sure are not. And so we, we, we need to start working on those changes now. Like as soon as you think of them, as soon as you put them in, like people be like, oh, I'm going to start my diet on the first. No, start it now, you know, or whatever it may be. You know, the, the gym is always full January 1st and 2nd, but by January 20th, those, uh, what is it called, New Year's resolutions, they out the window. You know, keep a daily resolution. And that's my philosophy. Continue to try to commit to change daily because uh, tomorrow's not promised. It's a good thing to plan for it, but start now. Yeah, it certainly is not promised. Um, there's been a lot of people lately that I feel like are just leaving too soon, right? But it's all about what you do when you're here. And you do a lot. Whether it be music, for me, like the thing that stands out is you're an organizer, you are an activist, you're always doing something to make Oakland better. What drives that? A lot of things come with it. It's an accumulation of things. Um, I think some of the the reasons why we do a lot of the charity work and philanthropy, philanthropy, just based off the fact of to fill voids that I once, I didn't have. Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I knew what it was like to go to school without backpacks, so I wanted to commit a long time ago to be able to do backpack drives to even out the playing field, you know, to at least give an opportunity to receive a proper education, just being prepared for it. You know, preparation is a a big part of success. Um, And unfortunately, here in the communities that we come from and then around the world, people focus more on rehabilitation than preparation. I think if we invested the same amount of energy and time and financial devotion to prevention and preparation, then some of the odds and success rates would be a little higher in our favor. 
So people look at it as like, you know, they just backpacks, but you're not understanding the backpacks filled with supplies that go a long ways. And then you're dealing with a community of people that financially may not be in position to take care of three, four kids, four or five kids. You never know how many, you know, one household may have those backpacks full of supplies begin to be expensive. And I remember that. I remember what it was like, you know, not having a backpack going to school and the turkey drives and Christmas drives. And all through the year we do a lot of charity work. But to me, I think one of the things that sparked me wanting to be involved in giving back and being on the front lines for the community is these are the things that I didn't have. And I felt as if I was in position, I wanted to be able to fill voids for people uh, that were growing up like me because that just takes something off the checklist that you don't have to worry about. You're from Oakland. You've lived here your entire life. You talk a lot on your social channels about what Oakland means to you. And obviously, I mean, you are Oakland, you know what I mean? In so many ways, shapes and forms. And one of the things that I've noticed about you is that you are an avid Warriors fan. From a kid, you know, you've been a fan. And when I think about what you mean to Oakland and what Oakland means to you, what did you think about the Warriors leaving and going to San Francisco? I mean, from a fan perspective, it sparks a lot of emotion just based off the fact you understood what that stadium and what that arena and that fan and that franchise, what it meant to you. To me personally, it meant a lot because a lot of my times, you know, my my mother's passed. And to those that know me, they know that me and my mother had a great relationship, a friendship that was more like brother and sister. And that was really like some of our best times and greatest memories come from going to those Warrior games and bonding. And, you know, those are the things that a lot of my childhood was involved around that, like, you know, her taking me to games and us driving way out to San Jose when we played in San Jose that one year. And, you know, a lot of memories come from that stadium. And it's just like I remember when we won the championship. And the dream season is now complete. The Golden State Warriors are the 2015 NBA champions. Their first title in 40 years. You know, I cried and people was like, yo. Like, we was at, this, at the game, we walked on the court, and we went on the court. People were like, what you crying for, bro? I was like, because I know my mom would have been here. You know what I mean? So it was deeper than that. So She was there. Yeah, you know, in, in spirit. And so with me, it was different with the Warriors, you know. It's, it's that kind of connection. And um, so it was, it was tough. But as a businessman, you understand, you know, things are about business nowadays. And you have to learn to separate and differentiate personal and business. And I felt like... You know, Joe and the rest of the team, they made a move that was to them more so to capitalize off their business investments and in the transitioning of saying, hey, man, we're we're going corporate. We're going to go do what we have to do to continue to keep building money. We're worth a lot of money now as a franchise and we have to capitalize on it. We want a new arena. We want new stuff. And unfortunately, the mayor wasn't in a position to provide those things for them to have that in Oakland. So they had to move to San Francisco. So it's tough. It's like a bittersweet situation. Well, the Raiders leaving too is also something that's huge for Oakland. I feel like there's such a void in sports now. I know your cousin, Marshawn Lynch, he is bringing in the Oakland Panthers. He's a co-owner of that team. And I'm super interested in what that team is going to do for Oakland. And what are your thoughts on the Oakland Panthers and what Marshawn is doing for sports in Oakland? Just Sean in in general, man, he's a a different guy. A lot of people don't understand him thoroughly, and that's a beautiful thing. I think that's the great thing about him is not to be understood. He's a long ranger. He goes out and he does things what he wants to do, when he wants to do it. The inclusion of, once again, filling voids. You know, I think that's always been a philosophy of ours of we want to be able to, like in the streets we say things like we want to put paint where it ain't. Basically, we want to be able to fill voids, and the team left. Here's a perfect opportunity to fill a void. Not only that, to give some of our friends and childhood friends that may not have been able to make it to the NFL or 
to other leagues and other things like that. Here it is. You give a chance to give them an opportunity. Now you're an owner of a team and you could employ some of them and give them still opportunity to live out their dreams. Not only that, you bring some type of excitement and entertainment to the city for the time being of the exiting of the Raiders. It, it will never feel fulfill the same feeling that the Raider Nation has. You know, they're so committed to that team for different reasons, just like me and the Warriors. And there's certain people that have personal reasons why they're fans of uh, certain teams and franchises. So it's tough, but, you know, I'm I'm a thousand percent behind everything that Sean does. And here it is, another an example of filling the void and utilizing your position and influence to uh, try to shine some light in your city. I don't know why, but when I first heard of the Oakland Panthers, like I thought, Fab needs to do a T-shirt giveaway in that arena. Like, I just think it would be so dope to see Dope Era like on every seat. Yeah, um, that would be dope. It would be. And speaking of Dope Era, your brand, you built this brand from the trunk of a car. That's a fact. Literally. That's a fact. And it is international now. I mean, a lot of people know about Dope Air and the brand and what you're doing. I think that it gets kind of a bad rap because it's called Dope Era. And people don't really understand what's behind it. Can you give people like an overview or or just tell what is behind the brand Dope Era? I think the word dope alone has left so many families disenfranchised that people won't even accept it. Like I see some people, those that some former like a recovering or surviving drug addicts that see dope and they're like oh no baby I can't wear nothing dope it's like uh, I felt like I'm relapsing if I put that on baby <laughs> and it's like it's just because of what that word where that word sits in people's hearts and where their minds it, it takes them back to places that was uncomfortable the reason why dope era I think resonates with a lot of people and certain individuals because they actually live through a dope era and you know to those that may be familiar with ronald reagan and everything that he had to do with the north operation and when they were flooding drugs in the communities and things like this the contra stuff and the explosion and implosion of drugs in in america that was a dope era and the flooding of drugs of how it affected the community these are times that we live through you know and unfortunately people make it seem as if we're trying to capitalize off harsh times for our people and exploit some of the things that destroyed our folks but in actuality it's total opposite we're refurbishing a time where everything in that era was dope except for the dope i feel like the only era in that era was the dope but everything else as far as black ownership community activism community togetherness everything it was beautiful you seen neighborhoods of people who actually knew each other and we actually socialized with each other we built together we fed each other we looked out for each other education was at an all-time high for people it was just amazing times you know and so what we did was an acronym there's an acronym for dope air and it stands for developing opportunity for people to evolve and everyone rises above and it's a spinoff off the original acronym for it, which was doing oppression, people evolve. And what I meant by that is some of our hardest times and some of our most difficult times growing up in the areas that we grew up in, we became the most creative. When there was nothing in the house, you would see you go in the refrigerator, you'd be like, man, it ain't nothing to eat in here. Your mama come in there and she make a whole four course meal. You'd be like, how you did this? It was like she worked with the scraps that she was given and she learned to utilize them. We maximized our minimum. And we didn't complain about it. We just figured it out. And idealistically, we were able to say, now I'm going to take those tough times and everything that was thrown against us, and we're going to refurbish that through fashion. And we created a clothing line that rekindled memories. It captured nostalgic type feelings of what things meant to you. And we brought it back through fashion. A lot of memories and things like that. So the dope era is more than clothing, though. 
here it is, we're going through a time machine and time traveling back to those times through fashion, but we're also refurbishing some of those things that made communities what they were. The rebuilding of the village has to be done by the villagers. And those are the philosophies that we share with our people. That's why we're heavily involved in dealing with the community and building our kids and food programs and school programs and all the other philanthropies that we do. These are all about creating change through the era that we come from. And I think also it's a way to really chronicle what's happening in our lives today. A lot of your shirts are very timely and they have to do with, you know, political statements and things that are happening. And then also sports. You've had many shirts that were Bay Area sports related. How has sports impacted Dope Air as a brand? Like I say, a lot of things that I do come from my individual experience and my individual attachment to what I like, what is mindful, keeping in mind what kept me from going to the streets, what kept me from selling dope. You know, I'm happy to say I came up in a time where my mother was on drugs, my father was on drugs, my brother began selling drugs and started using drugs and all of my aunties, out of 10 aunties, nine aunties were on drugs. And I'm happy to say that I've never sold drugs. Like I never sold crack. I'm happy to say that. And a lot of my friends can't say that. A lot of people can't say that. Like I'm talking yeah. about where they was like, oh, well, uh, I sold a couple rocks for years, pay some bills. But selling rocks at those times, it was as popular as what selling weed is now. I won't necessarily say cordial, but it was like, that's what people did. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the kids in the neighborhoods, you go to any given corner on any neighborhood, especially in Oakland, California, you see 15, 20 people out there selling rocks. So, I'm happy to say that I've never sold one rock ever in my life. And some of the things that prevented me from doing that was sports. Yeah. You know, sports saved my life. If it wasn't for the three-pointer, I'd be on the street corner. And I would always say that. And with me, I understand that I'm not the only child that came from those situations like that where sports saved their lives. You look at my cousin, since we're speaking and we spoke on him, if it wasn't for football, Marshawn would be right there on the corner. Mm. He would be right there with us, like right hanging out in the midst of everything, in the projects, uh, like we say, in the apartments. But sports saved our lives. So sports played a big role in the dope era. Yeah, and people, they just see people playing a sport, but they don't realize that it does have an impact that's far more reaching than what's on the court. Because for you to say that it saved your life, that statement in itself should just tell you how important sports is. Most definitely. That's why people always ask me, why do we always do like our backpack giveaways right there at the park that we grew up at? Because that basketball court saved my life. Yeah. It was like you had heaven and hell. You could go to hell and hell was 45th in market or your heaven was 45th in Linden. And that's what the basketball court was. Mm. And I stayed in the projects and apartments right across the street from the basketball court. So my options was go to the corner, sell dope. You know what I'm saying? Go to the street corner or go to the three pointer. And so it would be many nights that I avoided what was going on on that street corner because I was on that basketball court. That basketball court saved my life and many of my friends as well saved our lives playing sports whether it was baseball, football, whatever it may have been. Sports saved our lives. And there are a lot of athletes that are currently in professional sports that if it wasn't for sports, they would either be dead, incarcerated, or trapped in a trap. The reason why they call the trap, if you've ever heard the term the trap, I'm in the trap, is because that's what it actually is. We trapped. 
We trapped in the hood. We trapped in a cycle, in a vicious cycle of selling drugs, using drugs. A friend of mine came in the other day and he was like, these youngsters out here, man, they on this dope, man. And, you know, in my day, we sold dope, man. Nowadays, these youngsters own dope. I said, listen, huh? it's the same addiction. He's like, what you mean, nephew? I said, man, it's the same addiction, man. Say one is addicted to selling, the other is addicted to inhaling. But it's the same addiction mm -hmm. to the drugs, to the dope. Yeah. So a lot of our sports references on the shirts, people identify with and it rekindles memories. Like we take a lot of old games and things like that and some games from Nintendo and some other games, some other sports situations and people be like, bro, I remember that. I remember when Iverson crossed over Michael Jordan. Iverson has Jordan, the crowd is into it. Allen shakes, Gray gets two! I remember when Spreewell choked out the coach. It's big in our culture, man. Sports played a big role. When you say it saved your life, your representation and what you do and everything you go after is saving someone else's life because they're looking at you. So in essence, sport is saving a whole bunch of people through you, right? For sure. For and sure. I think about the last game that was at Oracle Arena. You performed at halftime with Jeezy, E-40, and Too Short. Did I miss anyone? No, that was right. That moment was epic on many levels, not only for Bay Area music, but also for just the history of all of those artists that were so involved with the sport. I'm sure people saw that performance and it inspired them on so many levels and saved them on some level because they feel inspired and they're going to go and do the things that they're supposed to do because of that inspiration. What did that moment mean to you just as a person who has grown up in Bay Area sports? And it had to be like a, a culmination of accomplishment, I would think. Uh, it was amazing, man. I, you know, the best part of that night, best part of that night was a picture I saw and it was my daughter. Somebody took a picture of my daughter filming me perform. So like in the picture, you could see her filming me and then you, you could see me. And to me, that's what it means. It means, you know, that through that picture, I think that portrait explained it all. It was like, this is who I do it for. And here it is. We had the last finals game in Oakland, California. And my daughter sitting front row watching her dad perform. For all the years that we snuck into the, the Coliseum, for all the years we bought tickets in the second up up in the nosebleeds and snuck down to all the hours and times that my mother stayed after games screaming and asking athletes for their autographs, yelling at athletes and telling people about themselves. It made it all worth it. You know, and I used to go to the games, man, and we wait two hours for players to come out just to get an autograph. I'll never forget those times, man. I'll never forget those times. Now, you know, the players, they know me and they know my daughter. They see her and, it, it, you know, it's amazing. So that kind of like, it was one of them feelings that you would have to let art talk for you. You know, there's certain things that I can't say that I let my art describe, you know, certain pictures or certain poems that I would never be able to explain to a person just in a regular conversation through dialogue. But through my art, I would allow my art to express it. And I think that's what I learned to do as a youngin. Like when my father died, there were things that was tough on my mind that was burdens on my heart at those times that I couldn't explain, but I wrote it through poetry. And that moment can only be described through art and that picture kind of like described it to me. One thing that was staggering to me about that day as well is that before you even performed at halftime, before the final game that was at Oracle, you were on a Sportsnet Central uh, fabulous edition. Yeah, the fabulous edition. That's what it was. <laughs> And you were out there with Too Short talking about the game and analyzing the game. And I just thought like how crazy it was that you're an artist who has loved the Warriors for a long time and now you're crossed over into being on camera. Is that something that you want to do? Are you passionate about analyzing sports or is it just Bay Area? What is it about sports that you kind of want to do moving forward? 
whatever involvement. I love it. You know, everybody in the hood feel like they a sports analyst. You know, we sit up, we watch TNT, we watch all these other sports things, and we be like, man, hold on, man. I'm Shaq. I'm Charles Barkley. I'm, you know, we sit up and every barbershop and any ghetto that you go through, they feel like they know sports and everybody feels like they're the best analysts and everybody wants to be Dick Vitale and everybody wants to be a Marv Albert or a Mark Jackson or whoever else is out there calling sports. So having that opportunity to be able to be involved as I am, not only just being involved, but you're involved with a championship team. See, that's where the playing fields change up because it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I do sports analysts for the Santa Cruz Warriors. I call a game for the Santa Cruz Warriors. And be like, oh, yeah, it's cool. You know, G League, oh, it's cool, it's cool. But to be like, oh, yeah, I do the pregame and the postgame for the Golden State Warriors at the height of the championship winning. And, you know, to be able to say, oh, I host the, the Warriors Parade. We were nominated for an Emmy to host in the Warriors Parade. Like, stuff like that is huge. You know, and I feel like as you're living in the moment, you never realize how big those things are until you look back. Your Facebook reminds you 10 years ago, like, yo, 10 years ago, this is what you were doing. He's like, man, I was ahead of the curve, baby. So definitely, you know, I would love, you know, for that opportunity to come. I think one of my dreams is I want to be able to call a game, like a play-by-play. I watched Snoop Dogg call a play-by-play. He was in San Antonio a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. And um, they had that was on. amazing. That was huge. Yeah. So he was down there. I think him and Sean and Lee, I'm not familiar with whatever, who he was on with, but he was doing play-by-play. It's like, yo, that's huge. Let me get my Fab Barnett on. You know what I'm talking about? Fab Barnett. Yeah, you hear me. <laughs> you got to trademark that one. You got to trademark me. that. Well, I know that I've been your friend for years. My Warriors experience wouldn't have been complete if you weren't in it, I would say. Oh. No, seriously. When I think about Oracle Arena, it's the people that were there. Obviously, being a witness to a lot of amazing basketball and championships and all that was invaluable. But it was the people that made Oracle Arena to me. I miss that environment. I don't think there will ever be another Oracle Arena. And certainly, the Warriors are going through some changes and differences now. And what do you see for the Warriors moving forward? I think they're going to be good. You know, um, this is a, a dose of humble pie to watch Clay go down, to watch Steph go down, to see some of the injuries that we've been experiencing. To me, it's a humbling pie, and it's a test to see who's going to really stick through. Where are the real fans? Are there going to be some real fans that come out and step up, or everybody just going to blacklist the Warriors as, you know, write them off as all the back to the old Warriors, which to me is totally insane to even feel as if you have a a player like Steph Curry and the players like Klay Thompson and Draymond Green, and you don't think that those guys are going to bounce back. This year is a learning experience. I think there are going to be some off-season trades that's going to shock some people. We're going to get a top five pick in the lottery, and I just feel like what they're going to do with that is going to um, shock the world, and next year they'll be saying that we're cheaters again. You know, we're going to go out and go get somebody real, real big, and I think they're going to say, oh, the Warriors cheating again. This is the only way that they win. You know, it's going to be a million excuses, but everyone in the league right now, we're, you know, AAU has revolutionized the basketball game, and the changing of the game is because a lot of these players grow up playing with each other. They grow up in camps, and they grow up, you know, on the same teams and uh, same traveling groups and same stuff like that. So they have a history with people, and they want to play with their friends. They want to play with people that they've played with since they were children. And that's what's happening right now, and it's revolutionized basketball. And you'll see that moving forward, and you'll watch continue to watch players want to team up with some of their friends that they know that they can win with. People forget that, you know, Steph and the Greek Freak have the same agent, and I think it's going to be some big stuff going on with that. And why not? 
You know, I think the players are controlling a lot of the narratives now, which I love. And I think it should be that way because they're out there playing on the court every night. So why not? For Um, sure. I think those guys are going to team up. It'll be dope. Well, you heard that here first. We're going to see how it plays (laughs) out. We're going to see. So we've talked about so many things. You do so many things. You literally drive your story. When you want something, you go after it and you get it. I've seen it time and time again. If you could give the listeners one thing that you should do in your pursuit of your dreams and one thing that you shouldn't do, what would that be? One thing you should do is continue to keep moving forward. You should continue to keep living and going after everything that you want. Stand on the mountain of no's so that one yes. Don't let those no's discourage you. Continue to keep going. Let it build your character. One thing that's always been dope for me is never get bitter, always get better. And another thing that you shouldn't do is when writing your own story, relinquish the pen. Keep the pen in your hand, you know? Don't let somebody else write about you. Write your story because they're going to leave out some of the greatest things about you. And it's not being supercilious and it's not being conceited or hubris when you're speaking on yourself and you're giving yourself credit because we're living in a world where if you don't give yourself credit, nobody else will. That's the truth. For real. So it's a thin line between being humble and being hubris. And it's okay to flirt that thin line because there are people that you have to remind them sometimes. You have to remind them of your, your prominence and your prestige and what you represent and your value because everybody know the price of something but they know the value of nothing so people try to put you in a price range you're like oh, i'm priceless there's no price range for what i'm able to do in my existence my contributions and what i'm able to deliver to this realm so i'm priceless now whatever i negotiate that's us as doing business but i'm valuable i'm valuable i'm an asset I'm far beyond a liability. I am an asset to anything that I involve myself in. And you have to remind people that. So humble is cool. You know, ain't nothing wrong with being humble. You could be dope and humble at the same time. But don't be so humble that you lower your value and you lower your value and give yourself access to people who don't deserve that. Don't do that. Like I say, when writing your own story, make sure you keep the penny in here. Well, speaking of writing your own story, I always like to ask this question. If there was one question that you could ask yourself because you know yourself better than anyone. One question that you could ask yourself, what would it be and what would the answer be? If it was one question that I can ask myself, what would it be and what would the answer be? Um, why you do that? And I don't know. <laughs> as simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes things are simple. Like, you know, why you do that? I don't know. Like, you know, that's life to me in a nutshell. You know, why did that happen? And you don't know. As you get older, you understand that some things just don't have an understanding. What I mean by that is there are certain things in life that you'll never understand. And once you understand that, then that is where you go from understanding to overstanding. And your perspective changes. Know that it's not what you're looking at, but what you see. And that creates peace. What's your definition of overstanding? Overstanding is just having a firm understanding of situations where you understand them so much to where you understand that like some people just don't understand so you can stand back on that you can sit on that you can look at it like like, i'm not going to get mad my overstanding is so much that i'm not going to get mad for your lack of understanding i'm not going to get mad and i'm unapologetically not explaining who i am i'm not defending who i am anymore i'm not defending my thoughts and my opinions this is who i am unapologetically this is what i do I, i work too hard for me to settle for being mediocre For me to settle for somebody else not giving me what I am and who I am and what I deserve. Too Short told me some of the realest stuff when I was a kid one day. He said, dude, always pat yourself on the back because these people will ignore your accomplishments. These people will act like you ain't did nothing. They'll even try to write you out of the history books. They'll, they won't mention you. They won't say nothing about you. They won't acknowledge your accolades. None of that. So keep patting yourself on the back. 
And if somebody call you cocky, whatever, don't apologize for it. Be proud of yourself. It's easy to get to the top when you was only a step away. But when you come from where we come from and you didn't walk through those rigorous roads and you didn't went through those swamps and you didn't went through, you didn't took Harriet's trail and you didn't been through everything for this emancipation, for you to sit up and say, man, I'm proud of who I am. Man, be free at that. We may not ever be free, quote unquote, air quotes, in America as black people, but as an individual, free yourself of all opinions, free yourself of all stigmas, free yourself of all labels. Stop being put in parentheses. We allow corporate America, white America, black America to put us in parentheses. Like, you know what I'm saying? Nah, don't put me in no box. Don't blow, don't lock me up. Be unapologetically when you, you know what I'm saying? Unapologetic when you're on that. And be confident. Let your no be your no. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that so many people are doing that now. For sure. I know I am. For sure. Um, I'm in a season of doing that. And I, I feel like in general, athletes are doing that now too. For sure. What are your thoughts on really players just really controlling their narrative and being unapologetic about who they are? Man, have boundaries. Know your limits. Know everything about you. Like, dude, I'm not finna keep doing this for y'all. Because here it is. You got the best player in the world who speaks on tamir rice or who speaks on what's going on in his backyards and here it is you got a white analyst a white lady who knows nothing more than just being a news anchor saying shut up and play basketball here it is we have a man who's arguably one of the greatest players on the court but one of the greatest human beings off the court a Absolutely. man that's still with his high school sweetheart who's raising a family who's opened up a school who's paid for hundreds of kids to go to college who's opened up several businesses, who has a committee of his childhood friends that he's made millionaires. Absolutely. And you have the audacity to tell him to just shut up and play basketball. So our generation, we didn't know about nothing outside of Michael Jordan's life. Great basketball player. Yeah. We don't know nothing outside of his life. And we don't know anything outside of his life. The media was giving us all of those things. Right. There's obviously great media out there, but there's bad media too. Right. So we saw a lot of his life stuff that wasn't favorable, but none of the stuff that he could control. Right. And show us about himself. And he never publicly ever spoke on anything outside of basketball in yeah. our eyes that I don't, I don't remember. And here it is. You were living in one of the murder capitals of the world in Chicago. Like I said, I can't speak on Michael Jordan. I never, I don't know about his public relations and things that he did in the community and none of that. But here it is at the height of LeBron James' career, this man is deeply involved in what's going on for us as a people. Building schools, education, giving back, all kind of stuff. Everything. Everything you could think of. But yet and all, we still, in corporate America and corporate media and the propaganda that they push, still want to marginalize and minimize his efforts as just a basketball player. Yeah. So the full circle of that question to say is, here it is, athletes, we have to be more blunt about what we represent, where we come from, who we represent, not just I'm going to work, not just, no, my voice doesn't matter. No, it does. You're influential. You're huge in what you represent. Kids all around the world look up to you. If you can control the narrative and tell these children this is what's up, then those children will follow you and ensure to walk in your footsteps. And that change creates a big change, not just from sports. 
Tupac said it best. I may not be the person to change the world, but I will spark the brain that does. Amen. I, I'll plant the seed in the brain that does. And the greatest sacrifice that man can have is him planting a seed, knowing that personally, as an individual, he'll never reap the benefits of the fruit that that tree bears or the shade that that tree gives but he still plants it for further generations to experience what it's like to have something that's for you yeah that's the greatest sacrifice a man can make if i can plant a tree that i know will feed my grandchildren's grandchildren and they can invite their friends to eat off this fruit that's a great sacrifice man so controlling the narrative it's imperative that we do these things because here it is these folks are still have you feeling like you ain't nothing you picking cotton you still are minimizing more it's no reason why that all you can do is dribble shut up and dribble shut up and hit the ball and athletes have been so subjected to this oh all i do is play sports man i just i'm just trying to do my job no you're not I had a conversation with a, with a friend of mine, a Hall of Famer, and I asked him, I said, bro, why you never did no camps in your city? Here it is, an opportunity for you to give back to your community. Like, you could do some free basketball camps. You could do some whatever kind of camps. And one thing I'm learning is most of these athletes, all they ever did was shut up and play ball. Honestly, that's what athletes, especially in other generations, were conditioned to do. Right. They, they were in a box. That's, that's they all were, that they, they were, were put able in to these do. Parentheses and they weren't empowered to do anything else and didn't feel like they had the power to or, do it. Or didn't acknowledge their value, only the price of what they were doing. Yes. I seen a shirt the other day and it said, I'm not my ancestors. You'll catch these hands. And it was funny to me. I mean, to look that shirt up. It was funny. It was like, you'll catch these hands. Like, I'm not just the shut up and rap artist. No, I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. I'm going to speak on things that I want to speak on. You know what I'm saying? I'm not just going to make music and party. No, this is what I'm going to do. Because they've created social engineering mechanisms to marginalize influential people. And then they put us in these parentheses. Like I say, if you blow up and now you get to talking about change and creating the community, the first thing they're going to say is you start talking about things that's not popular opinion. Oh, you crazy. So they'll write you off as the madman. They'll call you crazy. Or they'll say they'll throw these sexual perversions on you. Or they'll say you sold out and you're not for your people. You know what I mean? Yeah. These are the defamation of us as people. We got to learn to escape their titles by staying true to who we are and most of all, controlling the narrative. Yeah. So many layers to what we're talking about, but social media has changed the game. While social media can be a terrible tool, it can also be an amazing way. And I think athletes have harnessed this to get your narrative out there and to control your own narrative because you own those social spaces. And so you're able to say, actually, no, this is what it is. Actually, I'm doing this. Let me show you what I can do. And I'm thankful for social media on that front. I'm not saying it's always positive. You definitely do that in so many ways. And when you're talking about planting seeds, like you plant seeds all over Oakland, you plant seeds for so many people that are looking at what you're doing and you've outlined a lot of it today, but what is next for your brand and 
who you are and who you want to be and how you want to plant seeds moving forward. Just continue to do what I do, man, and forward trajectory of what it is that we're doing, furthering our movement, continue to do these things everywhere. Social media has made, the internet has made the world one city. What I mean by that is what's going on here from onlookers and people that are following and other things like that, they can implement these same activities in their areas. So it's no coincidence that you'll see someone influenced by your actions and your movements several miles away from you. As long as we continue to inspire by action, not just by verbal affirmations, but by physical confirmations, continue to keep moving and keep doing, then those that are looking will continue to be influenced and continue to keep pushing. And who knows, there are individuals that may have a bigger influence than me that are influenced by me. Absolutely. But the beauty of it is, as long as they're inoculating these influences in their communities and they're taking them to the next level, then our job is done. Whether they give credit or not, I've seen it happen before. I've seen individuals take credit for things that I knew that they got from us. I knew that they got from me. And when I was young, your mind state is rebel. So as a rebel, you want to contest that. You want to say, oh, I did that. You stole that. But in actuality, as you get older, you overstand on the fact of some people don't have it in them to accredit other people, especially if they've taken from them. But be happy with the greatest form of flattery is imitation. Absolutely. And influence. You're emulating my blueprint, but this is the true print. And I'm okay with that. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm okay with that. I don't have to explain it anymore. I don't have to say, oh, you got that from me. Long as you know, like Pac said, you and I know what's going on. So it is what it is. I posted a picture yesterday of a shirt that we did four years ago. Somebody jumped on my page and was like, yo, you stole that from my brand. I'm like, dude, you dropped the clothing line in 2018. This shirt is four years old. Right. So in actuality, you stole it from us, but you don't see me jumping on your page like that. No. So that's what overstanding means to me now. Man, I'm not going to argue with you. You're right. Right. Nine. Silence is louder. Man, nine plus five is 20 for sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, I know that I'm just thankful for this time that you've given us. I know that there are a lot of people out here that want to follow your journey and what you're doing. What's the best way to do that? Through the social media, since we are talking about that. We're on Instagram, all social media platforms. But more than anything, we're on the front line. So we here, like we in the city, we've done our 15th annual toy giveaway. So 15 years of continuing to be right here on the front line, helping out, putting paint where it ain't. I'm blasting off this thing called the Dope Air Trips, where it's a Dope Air Travel Group, inviting all people to, you know, whatever want to do to come out and come take these trips with us. And we're just going to go around the world and just go travel and have fun. January 7th, we're going to Egypt. We're going to be in Egypt for a couple of weeks and just going out there, just just chilling, chilling in the pyramids, lounging, laughing, living, just experiencing these things. These are things that I think the greatest misunderstanding of traveling is people feel like it's so expensive when in actuality, the preparation for it, if you're planning for it two, three months ahead, then you'll be like, oh, man, it's a round trip for six hundred dollars. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, there's some great deals and people spend money on things that are so frivolous when yeah, they could sure. be you know spending them on these experiences well, i'm trying to go on one personally yeah it's good. okay you gotta, you know, <laughs> i'll let you know what the next i think we're gonna do egypt and then we're probably gonna do um i'm so on my let's get to know who we are hype now yeah and this is the weird thing and, and i know we're, we're almost pressed for time but i know that if you give an asian two round trip trips and ask them where do they want to go a great percentage of them will go to a motherland they will go to china they'll go to japan they'll go to a motherland to them you give an, a latino they want to go to a spanish-based country they want to go to mexico they want to go to you know spain the point is you give a black person a round trip ticket they'll go to everywhere but africa mm. just based off the fact that they don't identify with Africa as the homeland. We don't think that that is, you know, and myself included. I had a passport that was full of stamps and no countries were Africa. Here it is. As soon as I get a passport, I want to go to France. I want to go to Paris. I want to go to Italy. I want to go to Japan. I want to go to all of these other countries. And when the thought of let's go to Africa, is like, oh, man, I ain't 
Are you trying to go to Africa? Like, why am I going to Africa for? Like, I don't want to be around all that. They got diseases and poverty. And like, wait a minute, bro. Well, there's huge misconceptions about and, Africa. And that's as well. what I'm saying. Like, all of us didn't grow up, you watching TV, and it just comes on, want to save a life? Yes. You see these little kids. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> like, whoa, like, because I'm not going to Africa, because look at this kid. This kid, seven pounds. Right. Like, I'm not, you know, and I'm not laughing at that. Not I'm at laughing all. at the brainwashing that America and, and the propaganda that how, Absolutely. how they, they're good at what they do. And so I had to go to Africa to see myself and was like, bro, this is where it's at. Mm-hmm. Like, this is great. Well, and speaking of Africa, they're starting a basketball league in Africa, hmm. the NBA is. What are your thoughts on that? Because I know for me, like, I want to work in that league. That's dope. That's super dope. Like, you know what I'm saying? The NBA is doing amazing things right now with this international affairs and, and the things that they're doing by bringing the NBA to other countries. And I think one of the first persons to kind of like break the barrier and break that ground, I would have to say is the San Antonio franchise. Like at one point they had a whole team full of people from other places. Like, international. Like international players. They were amazing in doing that, you know, breaking that. You look at close here, St. Mary's, the Zags, they do that. You know, they go out and they have a big recruiting team in Australia and they've produced some some players that have come from Australia and gone to the league. Uh, Patty Mills. Here's Patty Mills. Oh, good old Mills. Fresh into the game. You know, the international affairs were dealing with players and some great players that come from Africa. Manu Bo. Ball took it from King and hit. Kim Olajuwon. Winding down at two minutes to go in second overtime. Olajuwon, tough shot, falling Elijah off the court. Akeem Olajuwon. No, no. Dikembe Mutombo. Zidane, a great block by Mutombo. You know, the Greek freak is represents Greece, but, you know, that's African descent. He has African descent. In, Nigerian. In Nigerian. And so there's several players right now, man, that they're embracing it, man. So it's dope. It's dope, man, to, to see what it's doing. But the thing of what I was saying to the point what I was trying to make was, let's go comb around Africa like we comb around Europe. Let's go to all these different places, man, and go chill and go see Africa, man. You know, go lounge out there and get in tune with it. You know, everybody's not from Africa. But as a black person, man, touch down on that, man. Touch down on How that. How could you not? You know, touch down on that. I feel like, you know, I think the biggest misconception is, you know, there were the dice bar into the world is Africa for sure. So everybody, regardless, when you break down, at one point in life has some type of African descent, you know, especially mm-hmm. us melanated people. We got to understand that, man, the diaspora of Africa is very strong. And and when you get and go to Africa, I feel like it's just an energy, man, that's so refurbishing. And to me, this trip will be a spiritual rejuvenation trip for me to go out and just go have a good time. And so, you know, Egypt is cool, but our next trips, I want to continue to just keep traveling, man, keep building, keep living, keep seeing the world. That's what it's all about, man. The Malenciaga's shoes that you're spending on, man, that's, that's a round trip. It'll take you one of them trips, man. That's a round trip, man. And I speak from experience. I'm not speaking just trying to talk bad about people. I'm speaking from somebody who used to do that and still do it. Like, I'll still go splurge and go buy some stuff, you know, and, and do things like that. And, but what I'm saying is let's prioritize. If you can do it, do it, but don't kill yourself. Well, thank you so much for everything. I mean. For me, a lot of this was just sitting back and listening to you because the knowledge that you're dropping, everybody needs. And I hope everyone caught it and heard it and implements it. What is your social media so people can catch us on the daily? My um, Instagram is Fabby Davis Jr. One Fabby, F-A-B-B-Y, D-A-V-I-S-J-R, one. And then I'm Mr. Fab on Twitter, M-I-S-T-A-H-F-A-B, which stands for money is something to always have. So stay forever after bread. You didn't know that. 
I did know that actually. It's okay. in my notes. I you can show me? it to you. Yeah. Wikipedia. Supposed <laughs> to just know that off top. You feel me? <laughs> nah, but nah, man, it's love, man. I appreciate you so much. I'm proud of you. I want you to continue to keep pushing. And one thing I want you to know is don't let these folks put you in this box. You know what I'm saying? Don't let them folks put you in and be able to capitalize off your ideas and the things that you bring to the table and whatever it is that you're doing. Maintain ownership of your intellectual properties and continue to keep forward and moving forward and be as strong as you appear to be. Mm. You get what I'm saying? I do. That prominence and you have a very intimidating factor and be that. Mm. It's nothing wrong with being intimidating. It sure isn't. You know, be a challenge. You know, I continue to commend you for your courage and what you represent from spirituality to your physical attributes. Continue to do that. I've grown to become a friend and very fond of you outside of just your physical appearance, your mind, your representation of a black strong woman in this game who's finding her place in this world. Continue to keep doing what you're doing and, and stable and locked down. And like I say, the blessings will be bestowed upon you in tenfolds and you won't even know what to do with them. You know, I see that coming for you. So continue to keep doing that. Nothing but respect and admiration for you. And I pre- I'm very appreciative of you. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you. I'm very appreciative of you <laughs> on sure. so many levels. I feel like this podcast was for me more than it was for everybody listening. <laughs> and I will claim that and I will take it. And 2020 is going to be amazing for both of us as well as all of you listening. So thank you so much for listening every week. I just look forward to talking to you next time on Power Play. Talk to you soon. Me.